Hello, and welcome again to the How to Stop podcast. This is our second full episode, third total episode. This week is a pretty heavy topic, and that topic is how to stop hating your body. I recently asked a friend what she thought of my podcasts because I had been sending them to everyone I knew and asking for honest feedback, and she said, you're funny, but you're not being funny. And I told her, well, this isn't very funny stuff. (laughs) But she's right. A lot of my personality isn't coming out into this podcast. So I'm going to add a little more of me and a little less seriousness if I can. So you guys can get to know me a little bit better. This is a really important episode to me. I had planned to do something else, something a little more simple, something a little smaller. But after a long run this idea came to me and then I had conversation after conversation unsolicited about this topic and I thought okay the world is trying to tell me something so here I am we're going to talk about this instead of what I was going to talk about we'll do that next week Um, and I'm going to start by telling you my story my story is this I've had a lot of babies Now, I wasn't always super comfortable with my body, and I would say I've battled with an eating disorder before I even got pregnant. But after having my twins, I was very overweight, over 200 pounds, and I'm only 5'8", so that's, that's a decent amount of weight on a person. I hid it well, but not well enough that it couldn't be seen. And I remember looking at a picture of myself around that time, And I remember thinking, when did that happen? Because when you're looking in the mirror, you only see what you're used to seeing. The weight just sort of slowly creeps up on you. And the next thing you know, you're morbidly obese and nobody told you it was happening. And you have to see it in a picture and realize, I have let my eating become so out of control. Now, at this time, I was on what I call the cupcake diet. See, I thought that if I tricked my body into thinking there was an abundance of fat, it would just let go of the fat I had and not take the calories into account. Now, anybody who knows anything about the way our body processes food is thinking I'm ridiculous right now. And it is ridiculous. I didn't really think that this diet would work. But it allowed for me to eat cupcakes on the regular, so I did it. And my eating became habitual and emotional. So anytime I was stressed out, tired, etc., I would eat to feel better. Whether I actually did feel better or not, I can't say. All I know is I was very overweight. When I came to the realization that I was very overweight, I decided to do something about it. And I thought, okay, if I exercise for 45 minutes a day, I can eat whatever I want. I was coming from a position of knowing next to nothing about nutrition and exercise. So in my mind, this made perfect sense because I'm exercising, so naturally the weight will fall off. Well, I kept exercising and exercising and exercising and the weight wasn't coming off. And I was having dinner with a friend and her husband overheard me telling her about this and he said, well, you got to lay off the sweets. And it clicked. That's right. I'm putting more into my body than I'm, I'm taking out with exercise. So I started researching diet, caloric intake, and 
me being the diligent researcher I am, I became obsessed with the topic. I learned about how everything you put into your body impacts your body, but I didn't do it in a healthy way. It was at that point I started exercising constantly and eating nothing. I had one of those calorie counters and I put everything that I ate in and felt guilty if my number was too high. And then it just spiraled out of control from there. That's when you know you have a problem with eating or with anything. When it takes over your daily life. And this took over my daily life. Now, luckily, in between this, I became pregnant again, had a baby, and when I'm pregnant, I tend to lay off all of that. I'm not sure why I'm able to be sane during these moments, but I get into my head that the baby needs me to be a little more even-keeled and a little more focused on my health. So I've always treated my body really well when pregnant. After the pregnancy... things got really out of control. I was exercising two hours a day, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock, going to the gym, coming home, taking care of my kids, dropping them off at school, going to the gym again, coming home, being extremely restrictive about what I was eating. And if you had seen me during this time, you saw me as muscular and thin. But the truth was my brain was in chaos. I was in this horrible shame spiral. I ate a cookie today. I can't eat any sugar for the rest of the week. How could I eat that cookie? Now I'm going to feel horrible for the rest of the day. I'm going to be fat tomorrow. These were the words in my head. And this is where it gets really hard. The voice in my head that made me feel bad for eating got louder. The voice in my head that told me I was less because of what I looked like got louder. And it drowned out the voice in my head that thought I was fine. That knew that who I was was more important than how I looked. Things got so bad that... I would start my day by putting in what I could eat so that I wouldn't step out of line. And if I did step out of line, I would do last minute crunches, last minute squats, last minute jogging in place to make sure that I expended the energy that I had taken in. My entire day was obsessed with food. I'm type A. This is how it goes for us. But in this time, You can imagine it's really hard to sustain any kind of friendship relationship and it's really hard to be a whole parent. So I had to get better and I was lucky enough to get pregnant again. This time I did things a little differently. I'll get back to how I got through this at the end. I'll tell you how I got to the healthy place where I am now. But first, I want to talk about a woman named Ann Becker. Ann Becker did a study on young women, girls in Fiji. Now, Fiji at this point in 1995 were relatively untouched by Western culture, specifically Western television. 
And when she arrived, she wanted to see the impact that it would have to introduce these things to Fiji and the women there. When she got there, women in this country, as far as their culture was concerned, they were encouraged to eat a lot. They were encouraged to be healthy. And she started introducing just very common Western TV shows. And by 1998, 10% of these women had eating disorders or body image issues. They were restricting their diet. They were binging and purging. And they were starting to try to emulate the women in these shows. And the really interesting thing was, even if they weren't directly impacted or exposed to these shows, the culture had shifted and their friends were able to have the same effect on them as watching the show would. I am shocked sometimes when I see girls on TV. They are tiny. And they are narcissistic. They all want to be seen as beautiful and perfect. And our country and our society has to let go of that idea. We can't change that. But what we can change is how we let it affect us. We seem to think that we need to look like these people in order to feel good and to feel valuable. And that's something I want to touch on here. I hear a lot about learning to love your body and learning to embrace who you are. I feel like they're going about it the wrong way. When I hear somebody encourage me to love my body, I don't hear that I should accept it as it is. That doesn't mean I have to be hypercritical and that doesn't even mean I have to be critical. I think of loving my body as treating it like I would treat my best friend. Would I constantly feed my best friend things I knew were not good for her? Would I constantly expose her to hardship and things that are going to cause her pain later? And we're not talking about soreness, we're talking about being so hard on your body that you actually cause yourself to be injured. Would you do that to your best friend? No. Loving your body isn't about looking in the mirror and loving what you see. It's that too. But it's also treating your body with respect and treating your body with care because it is the only one you have. And I can tell you there is a very high mortality rate for anorexia versus any other mental disorder. Now, before we approach this how-to portion, I want to talk to you fit moms out there. I'm a fit mom too, or at least I fall under that category because I exercise and I have awesome muscles. You can't see them and that's a bummer because I got guns. Fit moms, it is not a competition. We are not fighting against each other, we're fighting for each other. It doesn't matter if one mom is more fit than you and I do not want to hear one more word about those women who snap back from pregnancy. It is genetic. There is a little work that goes into snapping back, a little, because I had a baby recently and I'm, I'm back to my pre-pregnancy weight and that has a lot to do with diet and exercise, but really a lot of it is genetic. 
Those women that don't get stretch marks, that has nothing to do with anything they did. It's all genetic. It's how it goes. So women who snap back, stop posting about it. We don't want to see it because some of us had twins and there is no coming back from that. And if you did come back from it, I especially don't want to hear about it because it didn't happen to me. We need to stop attacking each other with our success. We can be proud of ourselves, but for the right reasons. Not proud of ourselves because we're better, but proud of ourselves because we worked hard. Isn't that the kind of thing we want to instill in our children? Not that they're better than every other kid, but that they worked hard to get what they got. I see so much criticism coming from other moms, like, why don't you get healthy? You know, if I had time, you have time. It is not our job to be critical of the choices that other women make. It is our job as fellow moms to love each other, to understand that some people are tired and some people are dealing with a lot. It is our job to love each other and support each other the end. That said, how to stop hating your body. Here are the steps. And I would encourage you to do this unless you're driving. But I want you to make either a physical or mental list right now of the most important women, living or dead, who you've met or who you haven't now. Mine are Mother Teresa, just because I think she's amazing. Um, My mom, both my grandmas, uh, several of my best friends who I won't name for their sake. And I want you to think about all of these women that you think of as absolutely incredible so valuable to you and I want you to think of how many times you've thought about how perfect their body is this was the big realization for me because being thin did not make me a better mom it did not change how much my kids loved me it didn't change how much my husband loved me it didn't change how my best friends viewed me they just kept saying I looked tired and sick they were concerned but it didn't change how much they cared It changed how much I was able to give to my relationships. So think about these people that you value so highly. How many of them look like Heidi Klum? Probably none. Unless your best friend is Heidi Klum, then one. But let's be honest, the people that we think the most of are not the people that are supermodels because As much as we hate to admit it as a society, we don't really care how someone looks if they mean the world to us. So that's step one. Add yourself to that list of important people that matter because they are valuable, not because they're thin, not because you're fit, not because you work out harder than anyone else. You're important because you bring value to others in a way that you can't with your skinny. Step two, and this is the hard one. Give yourself permission to eat anything you want. I am going to run this podcast by an actual doctor. And if he tells me this is a terrible thing to say, I will take it down. But it's my experience. So take it with a grain of salt. Always consult a doctor or a psychologist. That being said, give yourself permission to eat whatever you want. What I found in my experience in doing this was I just ate whatever I wanted to eat. And then suddenly there was no novelty in eating. I mean, I still get cravings here and there, but there was no, oh, we're going to a party. That means there will be cake. And, oh, we're going to this place. There's going to be this. 
my life didn't revolve around food because I was now suddenly allowed to eat it however I wanted. And I didn't eat as often because, I don't know, it's kind of like teenagers and drinking. If you tell them it's okay, it's not as cool anymore and they don't want to do it. I am not encouraging you to tell your teenagers to drink. I wouldn't roll that dice. But when you take the novelty and that sort of sick relationship out of it and say, oh, no, I'm allowed to feed my body because my body needs to be fed and couple that with loving your body, you will find that if you want to treat your body well, you're not going to put things into it that you wouldn't feed your children or your best friend or your spouse. Step four, mindfulness. Something I've gotten into, something I need desperately. Be very mindful of how you feel when you eat the things you know you shouldn't. For example, when I started this, I wanted cake. I always want cake. Cake is amazing. So I ate some cake and I just sat back and felt what happened to my body. I got a sugar rush. I felt sick afterward. And then I realized this is not as gratifying as it used to be. If you're mindful enough when doing these things and when you're eating these foods, whatever they are, you will start to notice that the things that are good for you will feel good and will make you feel good. And the things that are not good for you will start to make you feel bad and you'll feel sick. And it's important doing all of this to remember that when you're emotionally eating, it's not because the food is really making you feel better. Be mindful of that too. If you're stress eating, stress eat. But think about how you're feeling through that process. Are you really alleviating the pain that you're feeling or the stress that you're feeling? No, the stress is still there. The pain is still there. You're just channeling it into an unhealthy place. It's always a good idea to just let yourself feel the feelings you have. It's okay to feel. You don't have to get rid of those feelings. It's normal to feel sad sometimes. It's normal to be stressed out. It's normal to have feelings. It's unhealthy to try to get rid of them with other things. So be mindful while you're eating how the food is making you feel and whether or not it's actually helping you feel better emotionally. This process takes a long time. I'll be honest with you. It took me well over a year to get to the point where I am right now. You'll, at least in my experience, food stops becoming a priority. And I actually notice when I'm hungry versus when I'm bored and there happen to be nachos nearby. Nachos are like my kryptonite. I absolutely love nachos. They are the world's greatest food. Now, I take a bite or two and then I'm full or I'm done. It used to be, bring me a big pile of nachos game on let's finish this thing and now it's I'm not I don't have a big enough stomach for that I'm not hungry enough for that I'm not really hungry right now anyway maybe if I were I'd eat some the relationship has changed because what I'm actually doing when I'm eating is nourishing my body dare I say nourishing and strengthening my body my Mormon friends will get that it's funny 
I know this seems really, really impossible, especially if you're in the thick of hating yourself and the way you look and hating your relationship with food and being so frustrated that you can't just eat whatever you want and feel okay about it. But there is a way out. And I have to tell you, if I can get out, anyone can. I have a kindred spirit. She is an amazing human being, amazing woman. And she and I clicked instantly because we were both in the same boat. We couldn't be healthy about our eating habits. It hurt me to see her in pain, but it never occurred to me that I was in the same pain. And then it did. You don't have to be in pain. You don't have to have this relationship with food. I would highly encourage you to seek help if you feel like it's taking over your life. If you ever eat anything and feel so guilty that you feel like a bad person, seek help. Talk to somebody about it. Even if it's just a friend, it will bring to light the reality of your situation. So I'm going to go over those steps again. One, make your list of valuable people, important people, people that make your life and world beautiful. Two, you have my permission to eat, but you need yours. Give yourself permission to eat whatever you want, anything. Take the stigma out of eating food. Three, be mindful when you are eating about how you feel physically, how that food impacts your body. Four, don't give in to the guilt and acknowledge how you're really feeling about it. You ate because you were sad. You ate because you were stressed out. Acknowledge that those feelings didn't change just because you ate. They just temporarily went away. You hid them. You replaced them. But not forever. And last, think about when you're hungry. When you go to eat, am I really hungry? Probably not. We don't get hungry that often. Not really. Until our body says, oh, hey, you didn't eat anything. You should probably eat something. That's when we get hungry. And the last thing, sugar is a drug like any other. There are numerous resources on this, but essentially they say that sugar has the same impact on your brain as cocaine. It's a rush of dopamine that'll knock you on your butt. And it is addictive. Anybody who has been addicted to sugar or food or eating knows that you take one bite of something with sugar and within minutes you're like, I'm going to need 50 more bites of that. So I'm going to go ahead and eat this whole cake. Stop after two bites. Your taste buds start to taper off after two bites. You don't register the taste as strongly as, as those two bites. So know that, that everything you're eating after those two bites is kind of diminished in its ability to, to be tasted. So take those two bites and then wait out the feeling. It's hard. That's the hard part. You do need a little bit of, of strength in this, a little willpower, but not a ton. If you heal what's underneath, everything else will fall into place. You won't need that much strength to avoid sugar. But sugar is a doozy because it's everywhere and it's in everything. And I'm not one of those people that thinks you should go on this incredibly rigid sugar-free diet. I eat sugar, not every day, but I do eat it, but I don't feel horrible about it. And that's the goal. Don't feel horrible about it. There's no reason to feel like a bad person because you ate a cookie. You are an amazingly beautiful human being. 
and I guarantee that if you look through your contact list, you will find at least half a dozen people who love you to their death. And if you can't find that many, you can email me because I love you. I never want anyone to feel alone. And if you are struggling with this and you're not comfortable going to a counselor just yet, I think you should. But if you just want somebody to talk to, email me, howtostoppodcast at gmail.com. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening and enduring my temporary blubbering. Thank you for hearing me out. And I look forward to hearing your feedback. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know if this helped. Let me know if this just made you angry. We'll hug it out, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.